All right. Are we going to give it uh, a couple seconds? Or? Yeah, we're recording now, so just you know, take a beat, and then when you're ready, do your quote. All right. The ice pick method. Insert a thin metal pipette into the orbital frontal cortex. Enter the soft tissue of the frontal lobe. A few simple, smooth, up-and-down jerks sever the lateral hypothalamus, all resulting in a rapid reduction of stress for our little patient here. Total time elapsed? Two minutes. Only side effect? Black eye. Recommended treatment? Sunglasses. <laughs> now, <laughs> I will say this in, in service of this film. That is how I, I did not know that that is how a lobotomy was performed. I had an idea. I, I had how a did feeling. you think it was done? I thought there was uh, bone saws and uh, your skull was opened up. And oh, that's I thought, an it's an outpatient procedure. I thought you grab them by the shoulders and you just shake violently. Yeah, it seems at the very least, I thought maybe they would do it like uh, in the mummification process and go through the nose. I did not realize it's near the nose. The eye. You can go through the nose. There's, there's also, multiple ways to do a lobotomy. Yeah, we only saw one, and this guy isn't even a doctor. He's just saying how he'd do it. Yeah. That's that is true. That is true. He he really is just going. Uh, that's street knowledge that you he's know, got. If I wasn't uh, in asbestos removal, this is how I'd do this procedure. Um. Yeah. Lobotomy. What a what a what man. Medicine's crazy, huh? That that's what they thought. It that was the best way to, well, to take yeah, care of things. But weirdly, like the thing like electroshock therapy, ECT, electroconvulsive therapy, came out at the same time as lobotomies, and that's still used and is incredibly effective. But the weird thing is, they have no idea why it's effective. Oh, good. Uh, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, if you, if you don't know what movie we watched, uh, it's surprisingly not about lobotomies. But uh, Kind of is. Yeah, it is most- about lobotomies. Uh, at least one person on this call wishes they had a lobotomy after watching this film. Ladies and gentlemen, we watched Session 9 from 2001. Never forget. And we did it with our good friend, returning guest to the program. Ladies and gentlemen, Ken Reed's here. Bill's here. I'm here. Here's the spooky Halloween theme. Two boys in a bell. Two boys in a balcony, two boys in a balcony, two boys in a balcony. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. When you hear the sounds of our very original, completely our composition. Nobody else's. We created for our film. That means ooh, and sounds of the hellhounds in the back. Yep. Ooh, original hellhound. This is like when uh, the difference between Vanilla Ice and uh, David Bowie. We got dogs barking in yeah, our song. Right. Ding, yeah. ding, 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 rough, rough. Yeah. What uh? What are the boys uh? What are the boys up to tonight over in uh, Reed Manor? Uh, well, that's Larry. He heard someone outside, so he's lost his shit. Pete went to bed about three hours ago because he's old. Uh, yeah. He goes to bed around five, and then Ted is uh just lounging. So Larry's so Larry's, Larry's really the alert one. He's the one taking. He's Larry's the in charge. Larry's in charge. Now Larry is concerned about the man outside, but you seem to uh, have no effect, no urgency no. in your 
No need to check that out. No, Sean, because if he gets in here, he's trapped in here with me. Oh, my goodness. He's got a Rorschach situation going on. Yeah, he's fucked. Yep. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, it's two boys in a balcony. It's week one of our annual Boo England celebration. It's early. It's not even October yet. No, it's not. Does it matter? No. But I've only been watching horror movies. I went from documentary September was going to be all documentary movies. And then uh, I got it halfway through the month and I was like, I'm done learning. Everything's. It's very depressing. Yeah. Oh, they're all to only watch documentaries. Yeah. A human the human condition is brutal. And uh, the fun ones, uh, there's only so many of those. I, I managed to find a couple of fun ones. The fun ones still have an undercurrent of sadness. I watched The King of Kong. That was fun. That's great. It, very sad also. Yep. Uh, the uh, Feel Good Man. Feels Good Man. The uh, Pepe the Frog documentary uh, was very wow. fun. Le- learned a lot. Finders keepers. Uh, finders keepers. Very well. That's just you know those people deserve what they got. And uh, have you seen Finders Keepers, uh, Ken? We're big Finders no. Keepers fans over What's here. What's that one? It's a it's a man uh, who and a prosthetic uh, leg. Yeah, it's a fight uh, between a man in North Carolina and I think West Virginia over he uh, he lost his leg in a plane accident, okay. and he asked the doctors to keep it. And he put it in his grill, and then he put his grill into a storage unit that was then um, sold storage war style. And then he had a a big, big legal fight uh, that was settled uh, by the Honorable Judge Joe Brown, God willing, our next Supreme Court justice. Yes. um, Over who, if whether or not this man could get his leg back, because the other guy was who found it was selling tickets for people to come look at the leg. Well, it is that illegal. He found in the grill. It would have been illegal for him to sell the leg, but he could sell tickets to see the leg. That's perfectly legal. Yeah, it's. Uh, hey, you guys want to see a dead leg? It is, and a then dead you leg. punch they, him in the leg. This, the worst uh, is the few the times they show the leg, yeah. uh, which I did not care for that at all. Medical waste is gross. But uh, <clears throat> that gave way, and I, I said, uh, "Heck, heck with this! Time to get uh, time to hey, get some can thrills." It, can you not swear? Can you say it in uh, a? Hey, I'm sorry, but I'm passionate about this. Documentaries, you, you can go you can go pound sand. Go screw. It's a horror movie month now. Yeah, I've been watching them too. It's uh yeah, and you know, Ken, you know I'm not a horror boy. Bill knows this. Mm-hmm. I'm new, I'm new I to love these, it. Uh, the spooky and the thrills and the chills. I can't do it. Some great stuff. We're looking at you a creep show in the background. You got the little yeah. pillow right there. Still yeah, never seen I it. Too this, spooky. Uh, I have this blanket that is a recreation of the Creep Show VHS box. You should see Creep Show, Sean. I believe uh, I believe it's on the schedule. I think it that is. is one of Creep our Creep Show's fun. That's one of our Boo England films. We and, uh, made some Creep, selections. Creep Show Two is actually pretty good as well. Sean left the meeting. Yeah, he gets oh. upset because once I tell him what to watch, he freaks I'm out. I'm still here and though. He's like, "I'm okay. such an important guy. You don't tell me. I run the balcony." Yeah, I ha- I hate technology. Doesn't do me any favors. It makes it just all it does is just prove daily how stupid I actually am. Yeah, mute your uh, Google Hangout, pal. Yeah, mute your Google. <laughs> so stupid. Uh, we we've been uh, we've been uh, we've been doing Dungeons and Dragons in quarantine. Uh, me and a few uh, fellas, and they taught me about Alt Tabs, which is tabs on your browser, which I blew my oh, mind. Yeah. That's yeah. how stupid I am. Yeah. 
computers. What, I'm uh, not, uh, what are you? What are you? A warrior? You're a cleric? You're a you know I'm not a warrior. You know I'm no warrior. I'm a, I'm what do you a, I'm do? A, you're out there? You're I'm a rogue? A, you're stealing stuff? Cavalier? I am a gnome. Oh, I bet you are, you dirty fuck. I'm a gnome named Hamburglar, and uh, I am... <laughs> He's incredibly unpopular with the people that I'm playing with. So. I'm sure. I'm not shocked. He's not yeah. very popular with the people in this podcast. No. No, it's hurtful. You should yeah, call got... yourself Cheeseburglar. Oh, Cheeseburglar. Yeah. When the, when Hamburglar dies, his brother Cheeseburglar <laughs> will come back to him. Right. Yeah. When he dies from Family Fire, the first time that's ever Avenge happened in Dungeons & Dragons game. should be like Veggie Burglar, but you're like really pretentious, too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> a soy beef patty. Yeah. The vegan. Um, what uh what have you been watching, Ken? You've been you've been starting the horror movie season. Yeah. You've bust- seen them all. You you I watch have. horror year round. Oh yeah. All I love a horror. Uh I busted out um Prince of Darkness the other day, which is one of my favorites. What is Prince of Darkness? It's a John Carpenter movie. It's uh the third in his Apocalypse trilogy. Oh, uh, with the thing and uh, they live. They live. Is yes. part of that? Yes. Um, oh. Although he, although some people argue, in the mouth of madness is part of that, which is also a very good movie set in New England. Yeah, that was one that I wanted to do with Sam Neill. Yes, what is that in the mouth of madness. In the mouth of madness. It's kind of an H.P. Lovecraft movie without actually yeah, being. It's an, an unofficial HP Lovecraft, Lovecraft uh, adaptation. Um, so it's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, Prince of Darkness is is also very Lovecrafty and uh, hey, and uh, very Nigel Neal influenced. But it's it's about essentially there's this church in downtown Los Angeles that in the basement they keep a swirling uh, mass of green liquid that is the devil. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> and it uh, yeah. and the guy who was the keeper of it dies, and now the church the just found out about it, like the the church writ large, the Catholic church. So they mm-hmm. send in a priest and this like scientific team to figure out what the fuck it is. <laughs> and it, it gets real freaky. I've went and visited the church in real life. That was exciting. This is Prince of darkness. Yeah. And it is has that... this, it has this um, people receive, they all receive this same vision in a dream, which you find out what it is at the end. But the footage of this vision they get is what just that alone is one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen. Yeah, it turns out uh, this Johnny Carpenter guy knew what he was doing. He certainly did. Uh, yeah, uh, did some of the best. So very good. Uh, the fog, yeah. fog's another great John Carpenter movie. Uh, I, we just uh, we watched Hall- we watched Halloween for the very first time. Oh, I watched it for the first time all the oh, way it's, through. I'd seen it's it great. In it's chunks. Yeah, it's really. Uh, it's and fantastic. Texas Chainsaw was another. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm John Carpenter and Toby Hooper are my two guys this month. So I'm going to dive into them. My deep. favorite Toby Hooper movie, and it's his best movie by far, is The Fun House. And yeah, that's not streaming. I've been trying to find that. I have I it on. I got it on Blu-ray. If, uh, if somehow we can get it to you, but um, it's amazing. It's, it's really, really, really good. Yeah, we uh. Uh, we got a we got a special episode on Texas Chainsaw Massacre coming out Friday, but uh, we uh, I watched part I never... two. Part two is hilarious. It part is, two is very so, smart and weird. So good. It's a fun it's movie. So good. You know what's actually great too is uh, Toby Hooper did a remake of Invaders from Mars, and I really like the original, but his remake is great. Lorraine Newman's in it. Where's um, my damn pen? It's it's pretty amazing. Invaders from Mars. Yeah. Uh, Toby Hooper, 
yeah, I watched uh, the first two Chainsaws and Poltergeist, which uh, that was based off. Uh, that might that's not a Toby Hooper movie. I don't know well, what's going no, on. With that movie. It is. So he uh, anything that Spielberg is involved with, he's very heavily involved with. Right. And he looks at he's he's just like a big film nerd psycho. Yeah. And he looks at the director as more like a like a shop steward. (laughs) Like like you're you're in charge of just like the getting things done, but you're not like an artistic. And Toby Hooper um, uh, was was not in agreement with that. But Toby Hooper was also on heroin at the time. Goodness gracious. Yeah. He had a major I don't, heroin I guess problem. I don't know enough about Toby Hooper. Oh, yeah. Dr. Pepper and heroin. Those were his vices. And uh, he was supposed to direct Return of the Living Dead, but he couldn't because he was. Now, would heroin. he take the Dr. Pepper to come up and then the heroin to come down? Probably. He, right. If you, it's difficult to find a photo of Toby Hooper where he doesn't have a cigar in one hand and a Dr. Pepper in the other. I assume the heroin was before that. But um, yeah, he. Uh, he also directed Life Force, which is a really fucking weird movie, which is not great, and I wouldn't recommend it, but it's kind of awesome. I couldn't, I couldn't get over how awesome Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two was. It's great. I was genuine. I was texting Bill. I was like, "You have to watch this movie. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it couldn't it be before, more different I, than the first movie. It's a I satire. Remember it. It's one it's of the best so satires funny. ever. And that opening scene, though, with the Oingo Bongo song and the yep. those all uh, frat dudes, is amazing. Yeah, that dude's got some killer uh, hologram snake eyes sunglasses. Yeah. Uh, well, I used um, to have those. Bill Mosley, who plays uh, Chop Top, uh, grew up in Connecticut, and he went to school in Boston, and he is a Boston guy, and uh, he's Dang, awesome. Dude. Yeah. All right. Well, next next uh, October, God willing, we're both alive. We'll talk about Texas Chainsaw Two for an entire episode. Uh, I just, yeah, it was all the grime from the first one was gone and it was just replaced with just like Technicolor. It was so colorful yeah, yeah. and fun. Uh, he so made the people too. It's only yeah. the old guy is the only. And he's so great. He's great in the first movie and he's even better in this one. Yeah. It's just zany yeah, in the second cook. one, dude. Yeah. A oh, hot popcorn shells. It's have a- you seen, have you seen um, Motel Hell? Uh, you know that I haven't. Motel Hell, if you liked Chainsaw 2, Motel Hell, you will enjoy. It was before Chainsaw 2, but is uh has a similar vibe. I'm starting to I'm starting to learn uh this week especially that that is the kind of horror movie that I can get behind. Uh the movie we watched today doesn't, you know, just endless dread and creepiness. Uh that's not enough for me. I need a little levity. You like a satirical slasher. Um I yeah, I do, but you know, Poltergeist, Poltergeist. I watch Poltergeist has got um, some levity and some humor into it. I just, I can't, I can't do just two hours of just, you know, fucking torture porn and stuff like that. Oh yeah, which I don't think that Session Nine is though. It is no, but but Session Nine, uh, I, I we'll get into that. We'll get into Session Nine, but I, I mean, like, it Session Nine was good too. I just. Uh, you don't want to feel mm. bad after. You don't want existential dread. You don't see some people right. watch horror movies and no. they feel a cathartic release when they see people in the movie suffer, whether it's no. through, yeah, through the that. sort of psychological uh, dread or through sort of physical ouch that looks like it hurts, which is what we had in the 2000s with the torture porn movies. I, I, yeah, I don't get I don't get that. I don't like those kind of movies either. And I um, 
I do a lot of horror conventions or I did in the before times. And it is always weird to me that the, the expanse of people that go to those where you'll see someone with a, you know, a monster movie shirt on and someone with the night stalker shirt on. And I'm like, dude, there's a difference between Godzilla and a rapist. <laughs> like right. they should, they're not the same serial, thing. One's a serial killer and one yeah. is a big goofy monster. Yeah. There's a different enjoyment. You know, I watched three movies this week. Um, two of them that I, I genuinely loved. And then one um, fell just a little bit short for me, but they're all in that same vein i watched drag me to hell yep uh jennifer's body and uh behind the mask the rise of leslie vernon which yeah, i know right. have you seen that, you've right. seen those you've yep. seen leslie vernon yeah that's yeah. the most obscure one but it's, it's probably the best of those three movies see that's the one that didn't do it for me. that one i loved up until the turn in the movie yeah. uh when it became just a regular slasher movie yeah, but all the all the mockumentary uh, behind the scenes shit, and I thought that was all great. Well, it's a rip off of the German movie Man Bites Dog. If you've ever seen that, I have not. Uh, it's uh, on the list. It's uh, why I like talking to Ken. <laughs> Man Bites Dog is the 80, 1986. Criterion put it out. It's streaming on Criterion Channel, and it's a mockumentary with this film crew following a serial killer around while he does his job. Dude, I gotta watch this movie. It's 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 very good. Um. Yeah, but uh, uh, Drag Me to Hell I had never seen, and I love Sam Raimi, which is um, maybe I don't love Sam Raimi if I haven't seen Drag Me to Hell. But. Eh, it's a slicker Sam Raimi movie, though, and it's new Sam Raimi. It's like pretty He's, new Sam Raimi. Uh, Sam Raimi's Evil Dead, right? Evil Dead, yeah. Yeah, but it was, I mean, it was, I guess, I mean, he's, you know, been stuck in fucking Spider-Man land for 15 years, yeah. so. Yeah, um, he did, uh, is, are those the Andrew Garfield ones? No, no, he did the he Toby. Did the, he did the original Tommy Maguire movie. Oh, the first two, the first two are great. The third one is a is a mess. Real bad, real bad. Um, and then they kind, of, I think they kind of screwed him on that one. Um, and then he kind of, you know, he hasn't really done anything. Doesn't need to, uh, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, no, but but don't you want more Sam Raimi? I mean, he's doing the new Doctor Strange movie, but that's just kind of a higher yeah, gun. He thing. produces stuff though, like he produced the Evil Dead remake, which is actually really great. Um, and he produced that, and di- he produced and directed a lot of the episodes of the Ash vs Evil Dead series, which they is also remade good. Evil Dead. Yes, yes. but it again, but it, no, just Did once. Well, Evil part Dead two is too. kind of a remake of the first one. Yeah, but they they remade one. Actually, speaking of Jennifer's body, the script was written by Diablo Cody for the remake. Um, what? But uh, it, it's a remake, but it also takes place in the same universe. So it's it's sort of a sequel as well. It's pretty. It doesn't good. have as much comedy in it. It does. That's what I remember from the time. What, oh, it does. What uh, yeah, year was that? 2010, I want to say. Yeah, it's got. Um, uh, I like the actress in it. She's on a. She's got a show uh, on uh, right now that my wife watches. Oh, uh, yeah, it's good. And Ashford, Jane, Jane, uh, Jane Levy. Jane Levy. Yeah, Jane yeah. Levy. Yep, she's on that musical show. Yes, and she but was she, on uh, that sitcom in the early 2000s. That was good. She's also in Castle Rock. Um, she plays Jack Torrance from The Shining's cousin. Yeah, I I'm not enough of a Stephen King guy to have gotten into Castle Rock. Castle Rock was great. I watched was like good. the first five episodes, and then I think we got rid of Hulu, but we have it again. So it's really it good. They did a second season, right? That was all. Yeah. Uh, um, um, the lady from Misery. Yep. Am I wrong about that? 
it's not all her, but she's in there. Like if you're, you can enjoy Castle Rock without being a Stephen King nerd. But if you are a Stephen King nerd, like all the little references, yeah, it are pays awesome. off. Yeah, Castle Rock. Um, Speaking of which, uh, you should see Needful Things, which is a Stephen King horror comedy. He wrote the book as the last Castle Rock movie because he decided he was going to destroy the town at the end of the book. And it's about Max von Sydow, who comes to Castle Rock and opens an antique shop, and he's actually the devil. Oh, I like Max von Sydow. Yeah, he's amazing. Uh, needful things. There was a, uh, there's a Stephen King movie that uh, I'm trying to get Billy to watch with me. Uh, what's the one with the laundry press? Oh, oh the, the mangler. The mangler. Yeah, yeah, that is not a good adaptation. That's Toby Hooper did that one. He directed that. Yeah, son of a gun. My boy Tobe comes through again. It's real bad. Uh, uh, yeah, but it looks funny. Laundry. I mean, yeah. bad. We were talking about this too. Bad, bad horror is like a bad action movie in that it's completely watchable. You can watch a bad comedy oh, yeah. and it's just like this is dreadful. But if you watch a bad Comedy's horror movie, the, you're at least yeah. like, I mean, there's spectacle and effort into it, and it's just silliness. You can laugh at it. Comedy's the only genre that if you fail, it's not enjoyable on any other level. Yeah. <laughs> like Ooh. drama, uh, horror, action. If it's bad, it you can it can be a comedy. But comedy it is can only be a comedy. <laughs> yeah, and comedy never uh, gets so bad it swings over into tragedy. Nope. We're just like, oh boy, oh boy. Um. Yeah, well, this, these are some great suggestions. I'm going to watch uh, all of these, probably. And I have Invaders many more. From, Invaders from Mars, Motel Hell, Man Bites Dog, Needful Things. Uh, Bill, you watching anything over there, Bill? You watching yeah, anything? I watched, uh, so I finally watched uh, How I Got Into College. which we, Oh, what'd you think? Which we, we talked, talked about that last time. Yeah, it, it was great. I had actually, I remember seeing it because I remember the uh, the football player. Yep. That that winds up ditching football at the end of it. It's fun, dude. It really holds up too. And it fits uh, well with the rest of Savage Steve Holland's stuff. Yeah, it 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 feels like a continuation of Better Off Dead to me. Uh I had to get the DVD because I couldn't find it uh streaming anywhere, but it's really fun. Good movie. That and uh City of God. Yeah. Uh, we watched today, which is incredible. Only took me. I gotta, you know, I have to, I've been years. trying to watch. Yeah, I know. That was a movie that my friend Brendan told me when it came out. We were in high school. He goes, you got to see this yeah. movie. It's incredible. It and really I like, is, yeah, I'm not, man. I, how, what am I going to go into Boston to yeah. an art house oh. cinema? No oh, what thanks, am I going to what uh, if I'm going to read for two hours? I'll just get the book. I saw yeah. it when I lived in London. If it ain't at Video Stars on the side of the rock, Ken saw it internationally. Right, Sean. Ken's European. He's mostly European. I am. There's a movie. It's a horror musical. It's Japanese, and I I can't tell if you'll it'll either be your all time favorite movie or you'll hate it. But I really want you to watch it. And it's called Happiness of the Katukuras, and I know that it's streaming. All right, you're gonna have to send me that because I can't be spelling Katukuras without. Yeah. committing some kind of a hate He's crime. writing the happiness of Katie Couric. Yeah, it's, happiness it's, of Katie Couric. That's exactly what I'm writing. It's, uh, it's directed me. by Takashi Meek, who did, um, oh, my who did Audition and a bunch of other famous stuff. Oh, Audition is a movie I'll never watch. It's brutal. You won't like Audition. But no. Happiness of the Katie Yeah, it's like a serial killer movie, sort of. When I was in, when I was in college, uh, 
my final semester, Bravo did that 100, 100 greatest horror moments mm-hmm. countdown. And they just used to air it nonstop, like over and over and over again. And me and my roommate, Sean George, we used to sit and watch it. And whenever they would show audition, everybody, that all the talking heads were like, <laughs> this is brutal. It's just, uh, and I was just like, I'll never watch it. And he was like, we got to get this movie. And I was like, I can't, can't do it. I um, saw it in the theater, which was weird. Yeah. I don't audition. think I ever heard of it. Yeah, it's a Japanese. Uh, I don't think they remade it. It was in that time where they were remaking like The Grudge and The Ring. Ring. Yep. But Audition never uh, got the transfer back over here. Uh, and apparently with good reason. All I remember is something about uh, there was people doing stuff to people between their toes. Yeah, there was a lot of needles in the eyes. It's basically like catfish. This woman seems really um, nice and normal, goes on a blind date with this guy, and then she turns out to be just a fucking murderous psycho. Yeah, you hate to see it. You hate to yeah, see that. Yep. I want the that. Story of love, love gone wrong. <laughs> um. Oh, there. Yes, there was one thing I needed to get Ken on the horn. Ken, can you tell me in? I don't know, 35 words or less. Why the fuck can't I get Dawn of the Dead streaming anywhere? You, like, I, why do I have to pay $90 for a fucking DVD of it if I want to watch the original Dawn of the Dead? There's a rights issue. So when Romero died, he produced that movie with a guy named Richard Rubenstein, and they had a falling out in the last few years. And when Romero died, Rubenstein tried to pull some shit to get the rights to that movie and so yeah. it's it's hard to get it, it was also produced uh, by dario argento in europe and he put up half of the money so he owns a part of it and it's it's very confusing jesus i'm looking that's... at i have i have many copies though including this tiny copy not only do you have many copies you've lent them to me multiple times and i got i turned it on and the fucking the synth soundtrack over the opening like yeah. i was just like too much too much yeah. got it's a off. great <laughs> movie though like that that movie i've rewatched again recently because i've been thinking about that movie more than any other horror movie in lockdown and it, yeah it, there are things from that movie that um absolutely haunt me i got it dude it drives me crazy because i i won't do i don't i will not do i won't torrent things because i don't know how I won't obtain things illegally because I'm, I'm again very stupid. But uh, I regret never having watched that because I, I watched Night of the Living Dead last year for the first time, and I was like, "Oh, this is incredible!" Oh, Night's amazing. I um, don't know why I thought. First of all, scary movies are not really all that scary. It turns they're out they're only movies, I'm, buddy. Hey, Dawn of the Dead. The, Dawn of the Dead theatrical cut Blu-ray and 4K is on YouTube right now. Okay, well, let's just end this call real quick. Okay, yeah, session nine go. will be in. Uh, <laughs> good and enjoy it. And I just sent your link. Kid, wash your wash your butts. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, Sean. Um, for the most part, uh, in these movies, like the zombies and all the uh, undead, they're mostly actors. You think? Yeah, true? most of them. Yeah. I don't know all of them. I can't speak to every production, but. Um, well, I watched a movie, uh, this week, uh, that, uh, at the very least had a very real set and it was, uh, from 2001. I don't know if you boys have heard of this thing called session. Oh, 9/11. Nine. Yep. Actually, this movie came out a month to the day before nine 11. I saw, I saw this movie and you're talking August 11th. Yep. Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yep. Eight 11. Yep, eight eleven, and I never forget it. 
Because um, that's when you were inspired. You you were like, you had the idea watching the movie. You're like, yep. you know what? You know what could take down some buildings? Planes. I'm yeah. going to need a month to plan this. Those buildings are Cold filled with demolition. asbestos. Um, yeah, I actually saw this and Donnie Darko. I remember like with a week or two before 9-11. <laughs> uh, I wonder if Donnie Darko holds up. I also wonder if Donnie Darko ever held up. It does, but the director's cut is garbage. So that the fact that that movie was good is a total fluke because Richard Kelly has not made anything remotely good since. Oh, and, he keeps whipping, dude. And awful what stuff. What else has he made? He made a version of Richard Matheson's uh, The Box, which was terrible. He did yeah, with that, Cameron Diaz. Yep. Yeah, and, um, uh, and Cyclops from the X-Men. Yep. James Marsden. Yep. Uh, um, Southland Tales with The Rock. The Rock, yeah, that's the only person I can pull from that. Yeah, he's he's done some other stuff and it's garbage. And the director's cut of Donnie Darko is awful. And you're like, oh, the producers made this a good movie by not letting you do everything you wanted to do. Oh, interesting. That's a movie I haven't seen, uh, I don't know, probably in 20 years at this point. No, that can't be true. We haven't even hit the 20th anniversary of 9-11. Close to 20 years. years. 19 years. Uh, I was very excited when, like when that came out. Yeah. Uh, Donnie Dark. Um, session nine, though. Uh, yeah, directed by Brad Anderson, who we uh, we've spoken about before because he directed uh, Next Job uh, Wonderland, Wonderland oh, Station. Jimmy Tingle. Yeah, Jimmy Tingle. Uh, somebody Switch else. Switch here for the New England Aquariums. Sweeney's in it. Sweeney, uh, yeah, Sweeney's the cab driver at the end. Yep. And then, uh, but I think Tom Cotter is in it. There's a couple of comedians that are in that movie. Probably, yeah. Yeah, um, Brad Anderson was kind of a comedy nerd. He grew up in Peabody. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so at the time, uh, look, longtime listeners of the podcast, you know, we fucking hated Next Stop Wonderland, or at the very least I did. Uh, it's a movie I hope to never see ever again. Um. But then uh, he makes the switch over. He makes two romantic comedies. He makes this. He makes Next Stop Wonderland, and he makes Happy Accidents with... Uh, Which is like a sci-fi movie, though. Right. It's got some time travel elements to it. I have not seen that. That actually it's, sounded it's interesting. Good. I was looking at Happy Accidents? Yeah, it's Marissa Happy Tomei accident. and Vincent D'Onofrio, and oh, Vincent D'Onofrio claims to be from the future, and she can't tell if he's crazy or if he's just, like, eccentric. Um, And then uh, Session 9 is his third movie i think yep uh and then he's gone on to make uh he made the machinist which is famous only for christian bale's um completely irresponsible weight loss mm-hmm. um trans-siberian and i don't know if i know this one it's got woody harrelson in it uh the call for the wwe um that's the uh halle berry 911 uh operator movie Okay. Uh, Stonehurst Asylum, which uh, I've never seen. Did you and, say uh, for the uh, WWE? Netflix eBay? What? You made a movie for the they WWE? Produced, yeah. The WWE makes movies. Oh, all right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Uh, and, and Mr. They, Nanny. They, they're usually like kind of low budget genre movies, but um, you know it's them because they'll just have like a couple of wrestlers in supporting roles. Um. And they're never good. They haven't made a good... Uh, well, no, that's not true. Fighting with my family was okay. I shut uh, it off like six minutes in, so I disagree. Well, you hate you hate the Irish, so... No, I, I uh, am the Irish, so of course I do. You hate yourself. And they're from England, anyway. I don't know what that's how I was about. raised. 
Uh, yep, yeah, that was fun. Florence Pugh. You like Florence Pugh. I love Florence Pugh, but I didn't care for that movie. Um, and I love The Rock. He's in that, right? Is that The Rock? He sure is. He sure is. Nick what a great Frost? And, Is Nick Frost and, in that? And stepping out, endorsing Joe Biden. Mm-hmm. You know, he's lost me as a fan, but uh, good for him <laughs> for using his, his platform. You just don't like uh, how he looked in the shirt. I don't think anybody Very did. I think universally reviled the way that Very he looked in that God. shirt. Someone described him as he looked like a bag of soccer balls. Uh, <laughs> I saw him as described as dressed as the, he was dressed as the fruit of face. the loom grape. Yeah, that too. No, they probably didn't say it to his face because we're in. Uh, say it to his face, Sean. He's very difficult to get FaceTime with The Rock these days. I'd say it to his face. I'd go, you're you look like a bunch of soccer balls. You're over there fucking giving The Rock bullshit about his physical Dude, I'd give appearance him, I'd give right him, now. Uh, I'd, I'd climb up the top rope. I'd give him the Hulk Hogan leg drop. I'm not afraid of the rock. I'll fight him right now. Um, no, I love the rock. You know, he's the star of my favorite films. Uh, Fast and the Furious five through eight and, uh, and fighting, fighting for my family and fighting for my family. Yeah. Brad Anderson does a lot of gun for hire stuff. Now he's not writing his own stuff. as much. Yeah. And, uh, and you said, uh, we were talking before bill hopped on the call. He uh, directs a bunch of, uh, television and including yep. a number of episodes of your favorite show, fringe uh fringe yep he directed about 10 or 12 episodes of fringe some of the some of the best episodes um and he's he's got uh two episodes of the wire under his belt mm-hmm. um uh boardwalk empire this guy's doing uh it's gotta be i mean being a film director has got to be at his level where it's like he never really had a breakout thing he's not like an auteur where it's like brad anderson's name gets things made that's got to be a fucking frustrating job where it's like you got all these ideas in your head and then all of a sudden you're directing uh, Hannah Montana movies and stuff. Well, but he also does a lot of like uncredited script punch up. This guy's he's got it all this Brad Anderson. I'm, I'm changing my tune. You've you, <laughs> I was coming in here ready to, to fucking slag him off as a fucking, uh, another one of these like indie Ed Burns types. Um, but, uh, he's you know, versatile. Huh? He's versatile. He's versatile. That, that next stop Wonderland is such nineties. Oh yeah, but it got him noticed, and he was able to get that's it true. made. That's what was getting made at the time. So he wrote a movie right. that he knew he could sell and make cheap because there's no special effects. Um, Should have used Philip Seymour Hoffman more. He's in it like the first two minutes. Well, then... he got it. He only got him for a day. Yeah, I think we talked yeah. about that last time. Uh, but he was session the best nine. Part of the whole movie. Session nine comes in. I'm not getting any budget thing. Usually Wikipedia is uh, sneaky. They'll give me the budget, but it's low budget, low budget. I can't imagine it costs a lot of money to film at the Danvers State Mental Hospital. They basically got the location for free. The thing that cost them the most was the insurance. And they shot this on 25 frames per second digital film or digital digital tape. And Sony let them use all the equipment for free because they wanted somebody to shoot a movie on it. Yeah, they needed somebody to do the the test run with it. That is one of the things that sticks out of this movie is that uh, on film, this movie would look so much better. Yeah. Or if they just if they had made it 10 years later when they had the digital video, um, they had better control over it because this is this is so clearly digital video as opposed to. Um, stuff shot digitally now, but it doesn't look like this it looks like. You can make something that looks like film now. It still right. looks like video then. Yeah, and they didn't even have the filters to do in the post production to add the grime and the the um, 
the shakiness of film back in or whatever. I'm a film journalist, so these are all kind of technical things. <laughs> Shaky grime. If he didn't say it, Ken, I was going to come in and say it, but I'm glad that Sean covered it. You know, it's more for the listeners. You guys know, but uh, for the listeners, if you if you can't keep up, I'm going to get pretty technical. Um, It was like it was shot like with like a um, camera in a in a dirty building, and it just was. Uh, so the yeah. difference. So the difference is to to give you a nerdy technical explanation. Uh, video is. Did you 30 go to film f- school? I did actually. Yeah, I know. Uh, video shot at thirty frames per second, which is why you get that soap opera look. Although stuff's a little bit different now with with digital. But um, the thing that was different about this was it was a video camera that shot at twenty four frames per second, which is what film shoots at. So it was an experiment to sort of make video that uh, oh yeah i'm seeing that right now um i mean uh i gotta imagine most of the budget of this movie if he's getting the cameras for free he's getting the location for free uh i mean it's gotta be uh scratch tickets yep. scratch ticket and, and caruso. uh but caruso's in kind of a weird period in his career he's he's between his uh his movie career is clearly not taken off. Yeah, Jade didn't Jade do well. is done. Yeah. Um and NYPD Blue he walked away from and then he's kind of and he hasn't had CSI Miami hasn't launched yet. No. So they got him, they got boom. They lucked out when they got when David Caruso walked in there and he's like, "Please, I need this pot, Mr. Anderson. I need this pot." I, I get guess a, a thespian. You should have it's kind of a red herring too. the whole time you said that the thing about David Caruso in this movie is that he's too big of a name for the like it the whole time I was going, when is Caruso going to fuck everything up? Yeah, when he's not the main character. You got David Caruso. He's not the main character. So he's got to be here for a reason. And he never it never really pays off that you got. But Caruso he, in this movie, he's believable as some Boston friggin' house painter. He's, I think, <laughs> I think, I don't love this movie, um, but I think all the performances in it are actually pretty good. Yeah. Um, and, and the, the main, main guy who plays Gordon, I don't think I've seen him in anything. Uh, no, he's he's uh, he's he got some television, credits. doesn't he? Um, I'm looking him up right now. Uh, his name's uh. Uh, Peter P- Peter Mullen. Um, he was in uh, shit. Uh, looks like he's got Braveheart, Train Spotting, Children he's, of Men. He's a Scottish guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's in. Believe it or not, an English actor. He was in two of the Harry Potter movies. Uh, he's a guy that I recognize, but I didn't. I don't remember him from anything specific. Oh, yeah. he was in Shallow Grave, which I remember him from. Yep, Shallow sense. Grave. I'm seeing that here. Uh, I don't see. I don't think he was in Train Spotting. He was not one of the crew. He was not one of the fun gang. Um, that's what I call people that do heroin. That's right. Um, yeah, but boy. he's he's really good in this, and he yeah, has he's a solid. he sells he's a, it, man. He's got a difficult thing to sell, and he does it. Yes, I think. And, uh, I just David Caruso's very first movie was written and directed by my friend James Lorenz, and it's called Mr. Tasty. Oh, <laughs> and no. it's about it's up oh, on YouTube. You I can ran see, out of ink. You can see clips from it, but it's it's about this. Uh, the premise is Mr. there's Tasty? like a thalidomide type drug. Tasty. Yeah. 
that they give to women in the 60s for for morning sickness and it deforms their children into making them what food they craved when they were pregnant. So this guy is a giant ice cream cone and he oh, just dude. wants to kill himself by melting in a hot bath and David Caruso is his best friend. He doesn't even have this listed on his Wikipedia. He's not proud of this. He should. It's he's Mr. good. Mr. Tasty. Yeah, Lorenz is dude. great. I dude, I think I might have to see that. Mr. It, Tasty movie. It's pretty fun. I'm going to open that tab up, leave that for later. You're just uh, going to order the ice creams. That's really, I just oh, I'm sorry. It's called, it's called Swirly. S-W-I-R-L-E-E, Swirly. Mr. Softy, that's his name. Uh, no, he still doesn't have that listed. Swirly, 1990. Yeah. Are we talking about David Caruso? Yeah, Swirly, 1990, man. No, I think he's got... Guys, we're talking about Session 9. Yeah. Yeah, but Swirly and Mr. Tasty. Baby turns into an ice cream cone, Bill. Yeah. You're telling me, Bill, you don't want to watch a movie where a little cute baby turns into an ice cream cone? I would love to, but we only have one week to get this entire job done. We cannot take another break to watch this fucking movie. We just had lunch. We're going to scratch the scratch tickets. This has been this has been Bill when uh, he texted me yesterday when he was watching it. I watched it this morning. (laughs) I had seen it before, too, but uh, so. This movie opens, uh, they jump right into it. The asbestos crew, Gordon and, and Phil, David Caruso, they're up there. They're putting in a bid on removing the asbestos from Danvers State Mental Hospital, which is a real mental hospital. It closed down in 1994. Mm-hmm. That's right, 94. Yep, it was one of the, no, oldest, was one of the oldest in the entire country. Um, it's a, it's a big, scary-ass building. Uh, they just showed Shutter Island or they were showing Shutter Island yeah, there. Okay. Yeah. But I think they were selling tickets pre-quarantine. So I don't know if the actual screening happened. But I, I actually considered going there to see that before everything shut down. But um, it's parts of the hospital are still there. Um, they did tear down a bunch of it. Uh, it, I, it I think I was reading uh, they could only film in certain parts of the hospital because uh, the building is basically condemned. And it was unsafe to film anywhere else. Like yeah. they could only use, you know, four or five different locations. Yeah, it doesn't but, look I mean, particularly safe where they filmed either. It's enormous. No. Like even if you could only film in a certain part, like it's basically the size of like a college campus. Because when I was in high school, we used to go hang out up there. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy to me. Yeah. Because uh, Mark Gallagher was on last week. He said that he did the same exact thing. Yep. Now, when now, what, you, what year are we talking here, Ken? Ninety-six. Right. So the place has been shut down t- roughly 10, 12 years. Yep. Overgrown, I'm assuming. Yeah, but everything was still in the rooms, man. Like like they show in the movie, that's what it was like. Yeah, you just Fucking walked in. Creepy, and it was, like, it was just like Pompeii. Like they just left. Yeah, there's beds and everything. Because literally the government was like, shut down, let everyone out. Bye. Now, what the what the fuck do you do up there? just hang around and scare yourselves and like look through things and get a flashlight and be like oh be a teenager yeah no no thank you sean's like what is that you duck the security guard you know that kind of stuff uh i remember when i was in college there was the there was a uh a mental hospital in northampton and i think 
I remember kids talking about going there and doing the same thing. And I was just like, absolutely not. No, no thank you. Yeah, no, I'm not going to I'm not going to willingly put myself in the position that maybe I'll see a ghost. Um, well, the ghost isn't what you have to worry about. It's like hobos that want to eat you. Tetanus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tetanus is really the thing. Um, now, you went up there multiple times. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You'd go up there because we would hang out. It, it was right off the highway. You can still see the main body of the building off of Route 128 when you drive. Yeah. So it was like not hard to you'd, you'd park behind Bali High and then you could crawl up the the, the wall there. And uh, yeah. And there was underground tunnels. And yeah, I mean, you, it was. That sounds was like a real nightmare. Yeah. It, it, it's a it's a unique place. And I'm even if you don't like Session Nine, I'm glad they shot a movie there. So we at least got some of that place on film. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, it's definitely. Uh... It was built, I think, in 1866 or 1844. I think it, if it wasn't the first mental institution in America, it was one of the very first. And it's what Arkham Asylum from Batman is based on. It's also what uh, Arkham and a lot of the asylum uh, stuff that H.P. Lovecraft wrote about is based on. Um, I believe he was in that asylum for a short time. Um, so it, it has a lot of weird pop culture influence, uh, sort of whether people know or not. That is, that is honestly, that is, that is my, the biggest thing about this movie is that this location that they, they were gifted, like is it's so good. It's such a great, you, you're never going to see another movie shot in a place this authentic feeling and i just it kind of it's got this it's this weird domestic drama about this guy wants to reconcile with his wife and you know the bid procedures and stuff about asbestos crews competing with each other it's a lot more about asbestos removal (laughs) and the procedures than 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 kind of a spooky exploration of a mental hospital you know i mean like this same story could have taken place in a purity supreme yeah but I mean, I, I like, I definitely like this movie a lot more than you guys do. And the things that I like no, about I, it, I don't speak for Bill. Bill, Bill likes this movie. I, I'm, I'm, I'm I, the contrarian. I think it's a good, I def, I've seen it. This is like my third time seeing it. I think I definitely think it's, especially during like horror season, dude, it's definitely worth the watch. It's, it's very influenced by the shining. Yeah. Um, oh, but the, yeah. The, the thing that I like about it that um, The Shining doesn't have is this is somewhat more ambiguous about is a place evil? Does a place actually um, corrupt somebody? Oh, and, sure. And which is what, which is what the, the, the book, The Shining, the book is more than the movie yeah because nicholson's crazy from the first friggin' frame he's on screen right. yeah the, the book is a is about a a, a a bad place corrupting a good man i mean that was my letterbox review of this movie is like this is like the shining but if it like was healthy shining yeah yeah um but the, like, what if the overlook was in malden right but i think that stuff about like the bid process and the domestic drama is important because it's showing you the the sort of real life small small time pressures sure that this guy is under that but, either depending on how you look at it either open him up to be corrupted by this place or 
um, send him over the edge right. on his own. Which is, in, but the, I think that's the stuff that I liked. The last half hour of this movie cooks, like with any horror movie, it ratchets up until, you know, you get that final release in the last 30, 20 minutes. Um, this, the fucking guy that, none of the, none of the two main guys are the ones that are studying the tapes of Mary Hobbs. Right. And these creepy tapes. I found that all a little cheesy. I don't, I didn't, I it didn't connect in a way other than like, you know, there's a scene where the guy's sitting on a tree and then the camera cuts down and it's the, it's the, it's her numbers grave that he's sitting on. It's like, they just, they didn't thread the needle in terms of bringing in these recordings of the sessions. The, the titular session nine is the one where, uh, Simon comes through. Yeah. Uh, But, but, I like that because it gives you just enough to hint that there's something supernatural. Sure. But also if you're a skeptic, you can be like, well, that's bullshit. Yeah. And the guy just went crazy. Cause he's having a, yeah. which is based on a real, a it's based on a real thing that happened in Peabody when I was a kid. And when Brad uh, Anderson was growing up, there was a guy, I forget what his name was, but in the early to mid eighties, his wife burned him with some boiling water. They were having an argument at home and he killed her. And then he took her heart and her head, I think. And he just like put it on a stick in the backyard. Oh, like he just fucking went nuts. And he was like a normal dude. Like he had no criminal history. There was like nothing that would make you think this guy would snap and do like go this far. Like even if he had just killed her in rage, which would have been horrible, that would have been like normal story, but it went that extra crazy uh, mile. And that was between that and the location. That's what Brad Anderson was kind of um, inspired by. Yeah. I think he, uh, I think someone references that murder in the movie, right? They may, I don't remember. Maybe. There's a guy talking, he's telling a ghost story or something, and then there, uh, it turns out it was all bullshit. I don't know. I don't he know. He talks about the, uh, the family with the Satanists. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I love because all of us growing up in, in New England had some bullshit Satanist story in our oh, town. Oh, yeah. I mean, just that 80s, 90s. Yeah, like, satanic panic whole, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And actually uh, multiple personalities, which for the most part was bullshit. Yeah, that was that the recordings of the princess uh, and then who else is he? Billy, all the different voices the lady does. It's all a little. I'm sure that it's a real thing, maybe. Right. I don't want that is a real thing. It's a, it's exceedingly rare. It's yeah. used a lot in movies because it's very cinematic. And, and I mean, that was the movie Sybil, right? About yeah. uh, multiple personality. Multiple, yeah. But, yeah. Well, and then that's uh, the M. Night Shyamalan, uh, the um, split. Oh, yeah. No, with um, with James Glass? McAvoy. James McAvoy. Uh, no, uh, yeah, Split. You're right. It was yeah, Split. Where he's the beast. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so this thing, it, it starts out. We're at the hospital. They're going through. Uh, Gordon is our, he's the foreman. He's the, the boss of the crew. Um, you go through and you just you get certain glimpses of this hospital and the disarray it's in and the fucking graffiti that's all over the place and all the vandalism that's taking place 
but they, you know, they keep stopping and then they just look in a room and it's just, you know, got this all like 1950s medical equipment. Like they show the tub like the where it's like, yeah, yeah where they're like, yeah, we just thought they would put crazy people in cold water that would make them feel better. Honestly, if you went to like flea markets or any like yard sales or anything around that area when I was a kid growing up, there would all be all kinds of stuff from that place. That's so crazy. That just vultures would just go in and just steal shit and sell it in their garage. I once found a guy, a guy at a at a antique mall was selling uh, an electroshock therapy machine from the Denver State Mental Hospital, and oh, he was like, "Yeah, they make a fucking uh, coffee table out of it." <laughs> Fuck! He bought it. He made it into a coffee table. I, believe it or not, I thought about it. <laughs> I believe it. Um, how much did he yeah. want for it? One fifty. That's not a bad price for an ECT no, machine. No, I don't. He's like, I don't know if it fucking works, but don't fucking try it. <laughs> ah. It's a conversation piece. That was the other thing the guy said. Oh my god. Um. Yeah. So the the big thing that the the big pressure that these guys put themselves under is that they look at the job and they go, "This is two weeks minimum," and then well, it says the three weeks at first. Yeah, that was he shifts his tone real fast. I don't know yeah. if that's the beginning of the corruption of this guy on the, the grounds of the thing, but they go in and David Crusoe's like, uh, he wants to, they, he, this Gordon does everything by the books. He's very safe. And, uh, Caruso, he, you know, he goes, this is going to be a three week uh, job. Caruso goes, you know, we're going to have to be aggressive. The other teams are coming in. Uh, so Caruso says two weeks and Gordon comes in over the top and he goes, we'll do it in one week with five guys. We're going to clean this entire, Right, the, they got to take all. They're the, going to turn it in. They're going to turn it into the, uh, town, the hall. town hall. Yeah, but you got to get rid of all the asbestos before you just bulldoze it because that stuff will be in the air. Yeah, it'll just that's be a, yeah. A toxic. But and this will give away the ending, if that's all right. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we I already watched um, it. So for the listeners, but uh, I don't so care about that. The whole time, the whole movie he like, doesn't. Yeah, you don't know who's kind of killing these guys. Some one of them gets a lobotomy. There's creepiness going. Um, Gordon's wife won't call him back. She won't answer calls after they had this fight. He keeps talking about. And at the end, it turns out Gordon murdered his wife and his kid, and he murdered his whole crew by the end of the thing. But when he's doing that bid, Wait he's already he's already killed his wife. Oh, he did. Yeah. Well, didn't no? Nah, he went. Wasn't it when he got the bid, he went home to tell her? Wasn't it that oh, night? That's when he brought the flowers. He doesn't go in the house, though. Doesn't he sit in the car? Uh, he does keep sitting in the car and he sees the wife. And I just assumed that this had all happened and they had had the fight with the wife. And uh, that's why he wasn't going back in because they were estranged because he hit her. <laughs> that's what they want you to think. Well, yeah. He, uh, yeah. He has already killed her. She's basically in yeah, there. Yeah, she's been dead the whole week. Yeah. Oh so, goodness. So when he's doing that bid, he's already like lost it. Oh boy, oh boy. I'm a film journalist. I didn't even pick up on that. Man, I'm stupid as hell. You also didn't what... know that it was Warren Beatty from Empire Records. Yeah. Playing in the, I thought, the thief, I, Well, yeah. you said that I I haven't seen Empire Records in uh fucking twenty years. And so you said it's Warren Beatty, and I was like, Are you talking about Rex Manning? Like, no, it's Rex Manning. And then you were like, no, Warren Beatty. And then I remembered, oh, yeah, it's the, the kid that comes in to kid. rob the score. Yeah. Uh, and then we had a debate, Ken. You might want to settle this. Me and Bill had an argument. I, I think that there's no fucking way that that movie is good. Empire now. Records? 
Yeah, it's that not can't. I, I I never really liked that movie to be honest with you. I always loved it, and I think it probably holds up, but I haven't seen it in yeah. I've tried to rewatch it because it is. It, I love the movies that the guy who made that made. Um, what are the movies that he, he made? He made uh, pump up the it? volume. He made oh, pump yeah, up the yeah, volume. Yeah. Oh, Christian Slater. Uh, no, no, the director. Yeah, the director. Um, yeah, but no, pump but up isn't the volume that Christian Slater movie, right? Oh, yeah, that's Christian Slater. Yeah, um, but. Uh, but I don't like Pump Up the Volume. I think he did Times Square as well as the other movie I think he made. Did you just say you don't like Pump Up the Volume? No, I love Pump Up the Volume. Yeah, that's what I, I thought. I like all the other movies that this guy made. But Empire uh, Records is the one. Empire Records is but Alan Moyle. Yeah, he did Times Square, I think, is the first movie that he did. Um, and that's a great movie. Pump Up the Volume is a great movie. He did a movie called The Gun and Betty Lou's Handbag. That's just actually really, really good. And. It's a really fun, funny movie. Um, and he made a movie called Weirdsville, like in two, like in the two thousands that I liked, but empire records was like him trying too hard to make a movie to appeal to a specific audience. Whereas all of his other movies were just like movies he wanted to make. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so it was like him trying to do a major label record <laughs> and it just doesn't, I don't know. It doesn't work for me. I mean, empire records is like when I thought mall rats was the greatest movie ever made. Yeah, I was like Empire Records is probably number three. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean it's probably top five. That's the number two. Five. What was yeah. number, number two? two? Probably would have been Clerks. I was a real Kevin Smith boy. Yeah, uh, and uh, those movies uh, have aged uh, bad. Yeah, yeah. I watched dude, Chasing I Amy back in uh, Clerks three. I got like. Four minutes into it, I was like, "Oh, I, I dude, yeah. I went opening weekend. I saw that at the movie theater in Amherst. No, no, not Clerks Two, J- James two. remastered one. Yeah, oh, the reboot. reboot. One. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was. Yeah, that's uh, that was a mistake I made. I yeah. watched the whole thing really bad. Oh, did you? Yeah, I made it all the way through. I got to the third uh, homophobic joke, and I was like, I got to bail. I mean, that movie's just made for Kevin Smith and his friends. Larry. Yeah. Larry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a, it, it was made on Kickstarter. And like one of the reward levels was, and part of the movie has this, is that you could be, be in the movie. movie. Yeah. And then just, just, you know, there's like probably like 15 dudes just lined up at one point, And they think they acknowledge them as Kickstarter backers. It's real dumb. That's a real bad movie. Yeah. Um, that's that is a real bad movie. Session nine is a good movie that I just didn't, it just, I don't know. I just, it has its moments. There was one part where the security guards explaining that, like when they ask him why he's got the gun. Um, and he's like, Oh yeah, you know, I, you know, I need this for security I'm chasing kids out of here all the time, homeless people. And then he says one line, which I was like, Oh, that's the movie I want is he goes. Yeah. One time I had to chase like uh, half a dozen patients. They came back. Yeah. And, and they, I was like, I was like, that's the inter- That's an interesting movie to me. Did you see that- the documentary Cropsy? Yes. So Cropsy is, uh, there's several movies based on the legend of Cropsy, which was Staten Island, New York. Uh, this like urban legend that this guy who was a mental patient got loose and then he came back and lived in the abandoned um, you know, mental facility was killing kids. And Friday the 13th is based on Cropsy, the movie Madman, The Burning, they're all kind of based on Cropsy. So somebody went and did a documentary about this, and it it does have some basis in reality in that this mental home shut down actually because Geraldo Rivera, of all people, did an expose and the footage 
of Rivera in this mental institution is so fucking terrifying because basically the, the people who ran it just took the money from the government and left these people alone in there. So Geraldo goes in, there's no lights, there's naked people, there's people covered in shit screaming. It is like hell. And so it got shut down, but a lot of those people didn't have any place to go. So they would go back and, and basically try to like clandestinely live there. So that, that does happen. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I was, I would assume, you know, you, you live in uh, a place. It's like, it's like, uh, it's fucking Morgan Freeman in Shawshank, where he gets out of jail yeah. and he doesn't know how to live, so they try to go back as much as they can. Except in this case, Reagan cut the funding for mental health services. Yeah, and- especially if you have a mental health problem, or a lot of those people live their whole lives in those institutions. Yeah, but I, yeah, and and those are the only places where they're designed for you know for better or for worse. The people there are designed to take care of you, so there's got to be some level of comfort there that you don't necessarily get. Well, they're designed uh, to lock people away and forget about them, like the Denver State Mental Home, which they talked about here. It, like it literally had a church and a movie theater and a bowling alley, alley. Like its own cemetery. Like it was a self-contained. It's like a biosphere. Yeah. And nothing scarier than a biosphere, in my opinion. Especially when you got uh, when you got Steve, what's his name in there? Yeah, uh, have you seen the documentary about? Uh, 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 why can't I think of what the fucking thing's called? The biodome. What's the? It's called Bi- Spaceship Biosphere. Biosphere Two. Is that what they they called it? The biosphere. Yeah, that was bio- the name of the project. Yeah. Yeah. That that documentary I found uh, to be very boring. And then I was like, thank God, 20 minutes from the end, they go. And then Steve Bannon showed up and I was like, yeah. thank fucking God, we finally got a villain to be a sex creep. Jesus. Um, yeah. Session nine. So uh, let's I, we could talk about the rest of the crew. We got Caruso. Well, talk about the bid. So they cut. Yeah. He cuts it down to a week. Right. With the five. Yeah. people. And they want to do it a bit and they'll get a $10,000 bonus if they actually pull it off. If Which they don't go a day over. It's like, I we got to make this boat. Like, this is going to be make or break us. If we don't right. make this, like, we're fucked. I got a new baby. Like, that. we need this. But it's man. not even yeah. him. It's everybody in the crew is that way. They yeah, all they're have all it. depending on this. I'd be like, dude, I'll tell you right now, there's no way we're going to make this. Like, well, the five the of us couldn't clean like. this room together in a week. The town officials were like, yeah, we're not paying out this bonus. There's no yeah. chance. Yeah. I'll oh, give him a hundred thousand bonus if he does it yeah. in a week. <laughs> we'll each give you a, a yacht if you yeah. complete this task. <laughs> no chance. We're not gonna have to go yacht shopping. I mean, just one room. Uh you gotta imagine asbestos is under every single tile in every single yeah. room. Yep. And some of these are like walls. Ballrooms. I mean, they're like two stories high, some of these rooms. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um just to yeah. tape off. Just to tape the plastic you would need to start fucking clearing one of these rooms would probably take you a week. I just um, I wish we got a better sense. And I understand that, you know, filming and stuff, they they have, you know, they have safety and regulations that they have to follow and they can't be uh, too unsafe. But they got this whole big abandoned condemned facility. And uh, I think they were restricted to just a wing of it because the rest of it was just too unusable. Well, the and floors were literally like falling apart. Like you yeah. would walk through a room and like there'd just be a hole in the floor. And there were sub basements, like several. So like, yeah, you know, I don't like the sound floor. of that. Yeah. I didn't like the look of it when yeah. at one point that when they're like, we got to go down and turn the breaker on. And it's like they're climbing ladders and shit down. Oh, yeah. the, like, oh. My favorite scene is when uh, 
Warren Beatty goes down there and the lights go at the generator. And he's turns out that, and he's running. Run down the, yeah. yeah. You see the dark chasing him. That's a really great scene. Yeah. It's great. It's my, I think it's the best shot in the whole movie. It's really, it's a really awesome uh, uh, sequence. And that's part of that whole, the last 20 minutes when, when they find Josh Lucas again, who yeah. I think turn, goes on other than Caruso with uh, CSI, Josh Lucas has the, uh, the next sweet biggest home, career. Sweet home Alabama with Reese Witherspoon, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, he turns yeah. into, uh, he's funny and charming about, in this but... movie. Like he plays, he plays a kind of character that we all know guys like that, where they were like, grew up in a blue collar house, but were smarter than their family wanted to go like either be a lawyer or a doctor, but then it's kind of a fuck up. And then like, never really does. And is like a friggin' electrician, but is like also like a smart dude. <laughs> Has yeah. a chance to go to casino school in Miami. Yeah. Yeah. What? Uh, a real, a real, a real will hunting. Yeah. Um. But uh, when he when so he finds uh, as they're working, he finds a uh, uh, some coins, and then he just digs into this wall where I think it's the crematorium. Yeah. Um. Where uh, they just somebody stashed all of this stuff. It's gold teeth. And dollars. Uh, yeah, it's everything that didn't burn that was on the body. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Now that I think about it, that's probably what would have happened. It wasn't somebody stashed all this stuff. It was just when the body uh, was no longer. You can't burn the metal, so Throw it in there. <laughs> sweep it in there. He finds all this stuff, old coins and stuff. He's gonna he's gonna make it rich, and then he exits the film for a little bit. Um. Oh, but but before he uh, he goes because he comes back at night. No, this is why would there be old coins on the bodies, though? Somebody had to be stashing that there. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Like, who knows? Crazy. Um, but he, he finds, you know, he thinks he finds, you know, he's like, I, I got it. I got it made. I got all these old he coins finds or something. He's got gold teeth. He's got his exit. He goes in. Uh, he comes back that night to uh, to get all the stuff because you can't walk out of there with the loot. Everybody's going to want a piece of it. Uh and this fucking idiot does the stupidest thing. It's a choice that makes absolutely no sense. But he puts in those dumb headphones, those yellow headphones. I had a yeah. Walkman, the 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 Walkman that locked, or was a Discman or something that locked, and it had like the shockproofness. You could drop it and it wouldn't skip. And it had those stupid yellow earbud headphones. And he pops those on to listen to the most easy listening, rights free jazz music this film could get. <laughs> uh, which if you're going into a spooky mental hospital at night and you're trying to be sneaky, leave the headphones. You don't need your disc man right now. Maybe he keep, needed it in order to not feel scared. Maybe uh, keep your wits about. Yeah. I say, you know what I mean? And then it didn't. And then, so then he turns around and then something gets him. And we cut to black. We don't know what's going on. Uh, but from the moment he reappears standing in a stairwell, uh, the, the, the little guy, uh, the mullet head finds him. Yeah. Uh, from but that's then down there at night, though, is that when he finds the GIF, the empty peanut butter jar? Is that when he gets when he goes in there for the coins? Maybe I don't remember that part. Yeah, so you don't know if there's like you think, oh, maybe he's a ghost or like, oh, maybe a homeless person is in there and killed. Yeah, him. yeah, right. You think it's something supernatural, right? Because at a certain point, too, he uh, he's when he's running. He sees a shadowy figure step out, um, and you see the outline of a of a of a body way down the hallway, but you can't make it out because it's all in darkness. Um, 
but uh, once once the little guy finds him standing staring out the window, uh, from that point on, this chase gets happening. They all split up and they're going their own different ways. And this is when uh, Gordon is uh, one by one killing them all. Uh, it it uh, it has. I mean, th- this movie loves this guy loves The Shining, and he really was like, "Let's do The Shining," but like fucking white trash, as if The Shining's not white trash enough. Right. But keep Wendy. Yeah, no, the dude's wife's name is Wendy. Yeah. Uh, they even have the fucking when Dick O'Halloran comes back in at this this fucking Craig McManus dude comes the new guy on the crew shows up at the last second. You think he's going to save the day and he gets fucking his neck snapped in yeah. two seconds. Um. Yeah, when, last, I mean, this guy like the just the timing on this fucking job just drives me nuts. Well, that's the th- there's no urgency. So they're, they, they're trying to get this job done in a week. These guys do nothing but sit around and bullshit. They're constantly on breaks. My favorite is when uh, when Josh Lucas goes missing and he hasn't shown up and they're all pissed. They make the calls to his girlfriend and they're calling him, but they're up on the roof. They went up to the roof of this place. Real shot. These calls, which is like, hey, guys, everybody, uh, let's all climb up to the roof right now. we got to make some phone calls. Well, you can't get cell service. Ah, you know, can you think of everything? It's nineteen. It's two thousand one. You gotta go on the roof to get cell service. Yeah, right. Are you on? Are you on the damn Brad Anderson payroll? Because <laughs> every time I point out a loophole, you're really shutting me down. This might no, actually be a masterpiece. Shot. You can't call. I, I actually really like this movie, and like the thing, the, the thing that I love about, like the fact that everything in this movie, every choice these people make, is predetermined to be the seat of their own destruction from moment one to the point where and maybe I'm reading too much into this, but we all know people who, who self-destruct, but do it in a way where they act like they're the victim. And sure. That's what happens to everyone in this movie from them making a bid on a job they know they can't do. And to the point where they're never even going to do it. Uh, I mean, this movie, this movie has huge, New England loser uncle energy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like, take it. I feel personally violated by that comment. To the fact that Gordon, you know, he 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 can't handle the pressure of being a new father. He murders his his wife and his his kid, and instead of taking responsibility for it, if you want to read it this way, it's this demonic presence from the thing that made him do it. You know, it's not him self-destructing. Yeah. It's not him make, uh, lowballing this thing that he knows he could never do so he can destroy the lives of all his friends in his career, bring them down with him. Like, it, it's, it, it, to me, that's fascinating. Damn, I might I might end up watching Session 9 again. <laughs> I might have to. Um, But yeah. the sense of urgency... <laughs> Everybody does like there's one point when Gordon goes out and he's sitting by the cemetery and uh oh yeah and the kid comes walking out and he's like hey I'm gonna bust my ass for you Unc. and it's like dude why are you out here telling me this right Get the fuck in there and work um uh I also uh, dude hey asbestos removal seems like that is the fucking worst job oh yeah it's very um, dangerous you know, he goes into they go into the explanation, you know, when the kid comes in and he's and he's uh, he's blasting the the metal music or whatever. Uh, 
and they go into the he goes turn that off the vibrations are gonna kick up dust in the air it was just like uh that's gross and then when he uh, at some point somebody explains to him what happens when you breathe in asbestos and what it does in your lung and just how it sits and it forms a ball in your lungs and just turns into a time bomb that's going to kill you one day yeah brutal that that part reminded me of there's a great slasher movie that was actually remade uh and the remake's actually really good as well called my bloody valentine and it takes place in a town a mining town and oh yeah place in the mines and it's it's a very similar atmosphere to to this which is again a great location for that kind of thing my bloody valentine i do remember that coming back that i think they that was in the after that was in like the mid 2000s yeah um jensen ackles from supernatural was in it it was in 3d yes that's right my bloody valentine 3d i remember seeing the trailer for that in uh midnight meat train uh which is actually pretty good um yeah dude that's one that i think i should watch because i've laughed so hard about midnight meat train as the title of a film for so long also, the fact that it was written by a very, very gay man. And, uh, you know, I love Bradley Coop. Yeah. Um, but this will the, may, this may be maybe the most pretentious thing I'm ever going to say. But um, do I got 17 years of evidence against it. So. <laughs> no, this is this is bad. Um, there's a poem by T.S. Eliot. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Uh, called the love song of J. Alfred Prufrock. And yeah, it, of course, we all we all took AP English. Yeah, and you know the one where it's like I've measured my life in coffee spoons. Yep, that is, believe it or not, what I think of with this crew. In that that poem is about a very New Englandy thing of this urgency for not even greatness but success while wasting your life. And it's what these guys do. They want a big payday. They want a scratch ticket win. They want a gambling win. They want this impossible boon from this once in a lifetime job that you would never get. And then part of them knows that. And so they just wait for it to, to end. They're not even trying to do it. Yeah, they're just and while they're waiting for it to end, they're still scratching scratch tickets. So yeah, they're just wasting their lives in coffee spoons. Like they're they're literally you know taking lunch breaks and um, but not noticing that's what they're doing. Like David Caruso's like, all right, I'll see you tomorrow. And it's like, dude, it's still fucking bright daylight. Yeah, Yeah, we got we got a couple hours. Yeah. Um, and then all he's doing is he's going home to sit at the fucking local bar by himself. And talk to the other asbestos crews. Bitch about Amy. Um. Yeah, let's let's talk about. Uh, I think, I mean, the last piece of this. Uh, so I mean, obviously, we spent all this time talking about the crew and you know that stuff. That's the more interesting part of it. There is the Mary Hobbs stuff that is kind of uh threaded throughout it and i feel like that is where uh i feel like that's probably in the marketing i would imagine that's a big push that they they found these tapes and they're listening to the tapes but why is this dude instead of removing asbestos that needs to be removed why is he sitting here listening to reel to reel tapes and fucking looking up files and he's a guy that just doesn't he's he wants to he started out he was going to be a lawyer he dropped out of law school. 
and now he's the asbestos guy, but he's going to, he's going to, now he's thinking about it. I'm going to go back. I'm going to be that lawyer. It's the same thing you were just talking about. It's this, this guy's pipe dream that he's chasing. Yeah. Or like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to write a book about all this cool shit I found here and this story. And I'm a, you know, like this is, this is my, these are, those are his gold coins, those tapes and the files. Right. Are yeah. His that's his coins. way out. There is way out. And it's, and it's plan. yeah, but it ends up being his destruction. So for every single one of them, that's the case. Like the bid was his way out, but it's his destruction. The coins were his way out, but he went back to get them. And that was his destruction. These tapes, like it's the it's, nephew had the Oreos in the van. Yep. Yeah, that's going to kill you. Heart disease or murder. That's right. Asbestos and heart disease. But it's it's people. To me, it's about, yeah, this New Englandy thing of pipe dreams that you you go for until your your life's over. Yeah, this isn't a horror movie. This is like a fucking. Now I'm bummed out. You're back in the fucking document document timber. (laughs) <laughs> yeah top your mentor what did you call your documents oh septimen menanery i'm gonna have to watch cropsy to fucking cheer up yeah you should watch cropsy Am I yeah. remember too, isn't gordon super catholic i mean he's irish, I mean, he's irish. An irish accent, yeah. so we, yeah. i don't th- i don't think he mentions anything about i don't recall uh them talking about faith at all um but i mean it goes with the territory if you're an irish guy in new england you're probably fucking uh, yeah, yeah, you're, you're probably fucking. Yeah, you're getting it in. Um, yeah, man, I think I'm gonna watch this movie again in the cold light of day. One, I'll tell you this: I was afraid to watch it at night because yes. I knew that it, I knew that there was no levity into it, so it wasn't gonna be like a. It's it's. Uh, I'm gonna watch this before I go to bed, and then I'm gonna feel like fun, and I had a fun time. It's not like Night of the Creeps. It's not a fun horror movie. No. Um, so I watched it. I watched it today. And uh, yeah, maybe now that I know that I can handle it and I'm a big, brave boy, maybe I'll throw this thing on some night and actually uh, I'll, I'll learn to appreciate it better. Dude, you I'll can session, leave the I'll have session on. 10. You can keep lights on. You can. Yeah. To me, this is this is a drama. This is about this is like a. It like does. A it feels that way. Know, like a like a kitchen sink drama almost yeah um, like it, it it almost at times this will be stupid but almost reminds me of friends of eddie coyle at times like that just i'm gonna score big uh you know but yeah okay you know, but it's it ends up being their own destruction like you can't you cut in corners and that's what's gonna end up you're never gonna get out you know hmm i like that take i like that take and i will say that the, the the creepiness or the attempt at creepiness of Simon, who is the personality on the tapes that is like the evil one. Yeah. Um, that That's taken more or less directly from the original black Christmas that Bob Clark made. Um, and the phone watch that it's on shutter. Oh, it's amazing. So Bob Clark, who did Porky's in a Christmas story. Is that Margo Kidder in that? Margo Kidder. Yep. And Hold Andrew. Wait a second. Is Black Black Christmas is the one that like that's the one that everybody points to as one of like the defining uh slasher movies of the night, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's, it's not, Halloween for sure. But not it's not Silent Night, Deadly Night. Is that no, a different that, movie? That's a different movie. That was nineteen eighty two, and that's a that's a really exploitative Santa one. 
yeah, Killer Santa movie. Uh, Black Christmas is takes place in a sorority house over. Okay, Christmas. yeah, that guy directed uh, Porky's and A Christmas Story. Bob Clark, and he before that he he made two of the best horror movies I've ever seen, um, which is Black Christmas. And in Black Christmas, there is a thing that I won't give away, but the the women in the sorority keep getting these like creepy prank phone calls, and the phone calls. And jerky boys here. Oh, they are fucking horrifying. Like yeah, special they, ed. It's crank they, anchors. They scare me to this day. And that's what I think th- they were kind of going for that with the Simon thing, but they don't get it. And if you ever watch Black Christmas, you'll know what I'm talking about when you hear it. Yeah, them. I'm gonna watch that soon. But, yeah, it's amazing. And Bob Clark did this other movie called Dead at Night, and it was also called um Death Dream and the Night He Came Home. But it's it's I'm sorry, it's three titles. Yeah, it got re-released a bunch of times. Okay. But it it's it's an anti-Vietnam movie, but it's a zombie movie. And the, basically what happens is this guy gets killed in Vietnam and his parents refuse to believe it. And he just shows up at their door one day alive. But he turn he's a monster. Like he's he's eating people and he just wants to die. And the whole it's movie is him. Like that cemetery. It, it's the yeah, it's the monkey's paws. They're both based on the monkey's paw. And there's a scene in that movie where he's literally dug his own grave and he's begging his parents just to let him die. Like he's, he's book and it, it's amazing. And it's hmm. this exploitation. What was the name and of that Bob movie Clark again? was brilliant with that stuff. And it, it's, um, it, you probably will find it under the name death dream, death dream. Um, but it, those, those two movies are unbelievably good. And, and, death like there are some scenes from from horror movies that haunt me forever like like i was saying in prince of darkness that that vision dream they have and the the phone calls in black christmas the 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 kid the, floating in uh yep to just let me to just let me die scene in death dream um the crystal yeah. cave in the care bears movie too god dark side Bill, Black you think Hawk. we're joking? Me and Ken have spent, I would yeah. say, the majority of our friendship talking about how scary the first two Care Bears movies are. They really are. They seriously are. My dad makes fun of me all the time because my kids, I was, they were watching something. I was like, oh, they, oh, all they want to watch is this. And my dad's like, you know, you want to watch is Care Bears. And I was like, those first two movies are actually pretty good. <laughs> they really are. Especially when the Care Bear cousins come to save the day. Care Bear calls. Oh, I've seen it, guys. Spoiler. They are, Bill. I, I I wonder. I think my kids would find them. I I wonder if they're good still. But I I have fond memories of them. And then, uh, they're they're just horror movies. They're scary movies. They're way scarier than they ever have any right to be. Yeah. Um. Well, dang, man. I don't know if I if I have anything uh, more to say about session nine. Anybody else got any final final thoughts, fellas? Any final thoughts? I think. So- uh, just stuff about it <laughs> yeah dude i can't we can't go anymore no more t.s Eliot. take all if you got notes that don't involve the great american poets t.s Eliot was english but i'll say this i'll say this it's the shining is the least new englandy stephen king book and this movie weirdly sort of takes back the shining into a very stephen king-like setting which is weird, like, uh, like graveyard shift or even the mangler, which you talked about our, our very working class blue collar, um, Stephen King settings. And this is almost yeah. like trying to 
fan fiction reclaim The Shining as a true Stephen King movie. I that's what I I feel like I almost because that's one of the things we did an episode on The Shining because uh, as you know it's a it, it is a New England film because uh, in one throwaway line Wendy Torrance says they moved from Vermont, yes, so it qualifies. Um, and we did an episode on um, Doctor Sleep, which we both love. I don't know if you have you seen Doctor Sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, hey, I thought it was a yeah. I don't know why that. I mean, I know why it didn't do well. It's a fucking two and a half hour. Didn't know they were getting a two and a half hour sequel to a movie from forty years ago. That's not really a sequel. It's mostly about fucking soul vampires. Um, but it's incredible. Um, yeah, I really liked it, especially the director's cut. Really, take that thing up to three hours, and I'm it's cooking with gas, baby. I just um, rewatched. I just got the. Uh, I bought the Shining uh, 4K transfer, and Beautiful. it's incredible. It looks so good. I will still stand by the made-for-TV Shining with Steven Weber is fucking great. Sean thinks it's the best thing ever made. I did say that one time. You did. <laughs> Early in the podcast, Ken, I said, uh, this is a controversial opinion, but I think the ABC Steven Weber version is actually better than the Jack Nicholson. Look, I mean, I always say that the movie is a is a great Stanley Kubrick movie and a terrible Stephen King movie. <laughs> sure. But that's what this almost feels like. It almost feels like somebody, Brad Anderson at one point, you know, heard the, you know, the tales of, you know, the fights between Stephen King and Kubrick and how Kubrick wanted to change it. And he all of a sudden, session nine, it's got to come out of that. The idea of a building um, corrupting somebody, which is kind of ignored in the Kubrick version since Jack Torrance is already a little fucking off his rocker from the beginning. Um, and they try to fix that and they try to do that in the Doctor Sleep. They try to make the overlook an actual living, breathing thing. Um, that's I feel like that is it's the ambiguity of that in this movie that kind of bugs me. I wish they had just gone full throat with it and just did, don't leave it up to interpretation because stupid people like me aren't going to fucking even notice that his wife was murdered. That's the thing I think that's brilliant about it, though, is that you can read it in multiple multiple ways. But my take on it is because these people don't take personal responsibility and won't actually buckle down and just be a fucking man. Yeah. Um, excuses for everything. And, you know, I can't get a break or whatever. And in that respect, this whole Simon, the building corrupted me thing is a bullshit excuse. It's for him not to take responsibility for what he's done. Yeah. I like, I mean, I like that. And I, I do, I got to watch the movie cause there's, there's depth to this movie that I didn't necessarily see. Well, that's, that's because kinda, of your glasses. Yeah. I got to clean these things. Yeah. And they're beer goggles. But that, but that folks, that's the only, that's, that's, that's only the insight you get when you get the TV guidance counselor to come up to the balcony for the first week of Boo England. We're doing it all, baby. We're doing next week. We're talking Brian De Palma. The week after that, we're talking fat dogs. What De Palma movie? Uh, Carrie. That's a De Palma movie, right? I didn't just pull that out of my ass. <laughs> it is De Palma, right? And it takes place in New England. That really, uh, um, yeah, we're doing Carrie's next week. Then we're doing Cujo. Cujo's then rough. We're do- then we're doing Creep Show. 
and then we're doing the Lords of Salem. We really we lost the thread of the theme of the month, but well, we didn't. We were gonna do Cujo, uh, Carrie, Christine, and Creepshow. Yeah, all the C's. Yeah, all the C's. But then we changed it because I don't give a shit about Christine. I'm not a skater. No cars. Pretty good, John Carpenter. And, and you just watch uh, Back to School with that kid. I had Alexandra Paul on my show, who stars in Christine. <laughs> uh, have you had Steve Sweeney from Back to School on your show? Steve Sweeney, man, he's tough. I'd have better luck getting Sam Kinison. Can uh, <laughs> I get bad news for you, buddy? <laughs> oh! oh, 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 oh! Yeah, I watched Back to School this week. What a letdown! And. Uh, yeah, I got nothing else. Uh, Ken, uh, if you're not listening to the TV Guidance Counselor podcast, you probably should be. Ken listens to it. I think he does. It's Ken is the TV Guidance Counselor. I hear it way too much. I was talking to you, Bill. I was talking to you. No, I listen to it. Um, Frank, no, thank, thanks for coming back I'm and hanging out with Bailey. us, Bailey. Ken, and giving Great us this. this uh... Fuck John Boyd. <laughs> what? I had Frank Whaley on and um, John Voigt, who's a piece of shit. Um, yeah. When the show Ray Donovan, John Voigt, they were they were rehearsing a scene in this bathroom and they went through it a bunch of times. And uh, director yells action and Voigt just rears up and fucking smacks Whaley as hard uh, as he can. Back. And Frank was just like, what do you do? Why? And then he's like, I didn't hit you hard. John Voigt sucks. I told him if I ever meet him, I'm going to kick his fucking dentures through the back of his head. I mean, I mean, hopefully you don't do that. He seems like an old man. So I, I would, uh, I would, his bones to dust. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly, allegedly he would do that. Allegedly he would do that. I'll, John Boyd. Him with my fists. TV guidance counselor is the podcast. That's the man that said it. I would not. John Boyd. I think you're an American legend. We did two of your films back to back accidentally. <laughs> accidentally. Yeah. Yeah. He was bad in both of them. And, uh, yeah. Frank Whaley, Scott Valentine was last week. We talked about my demon lover. And then you talked about some movies too, I assume. <laughs> I don't know. It's the oldest trick in the book, my friend. It's the oldest trick in the book. Good episodes coming up. So that's dang. That's vaudeville right there, baby. Um, yeah, session nine. Uh, watch it. It's on Netflix right now. Uh, it's free to stream if you pay for Netflix. So it's not free, but, uh, uh, it should be. Netflix should be a public utility, in my opinion. And by and, uh, it should be. As soon as we get Joe Biden in there, we're going to make it, goddammit. Um, yeah, thank you so much, Ken, for uh, coming out. We'll have you back, uh, I don't know, some other time. Where to find me. Yeah, well, oh, I know where to find you, baby. Uh, thank you so much, everybody. Listen to the TV Guidance Counselor podcast. Follow Ken on all the social medias. Kenneth W. Reed. No, I can read. Both. Yeah. I don't remember what one it is. Rate, just put his name in there. Subscribe. Rate, review, and subscribe. Not Ken's podcast, our podcast. He's doing fine. We're, <laughs> yeah. We're, we're told that the algorithm matters. I keep forgetting to post the episodes on Facebook. So we're not really in this for. <laughs> Get off of Facebook. It's a horrible place. It's bad. What's that? them on youtube yeah go on to youtube youtube's just as bad you post these episodes on youtube you guys are going to be big you think so that's what you got to do i'm gonna have to find out how to do that that's how we got to do 
All right, everybody. Have a great week. We'll see you in seven days. For Carrie. Oh, it's unbelievable and whatnot. <laughs>